0: Much for us and we're so thankful and we're so grateful in Jesus name Amen so we're moving through the book of Ephesians we're in Ephesians 1 I know it seems like forever there's so much packed here, and um, we just need to spend some time here so that we understand completely what's happening. And there's two, the, the, the idea I want you to take away this weekend is that we go from rags to riches, because that's essentially what Paul says in this passage that we're going to read in a moment. Now, what what we have to understand is we have to begin at a place where we understand that we're in debt. Now, some of us are in financial debt, but uh, that's not the kind of debt we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual debt. And basically, we're gonna see that we have this, every one of us has this spiritual debt that is incredible that we have to take care of, but we can't take care of it. And that's the dilemma we find ourselves in. It's not a financial debt, it's a spiritual debt. So I wanna read uh, the the passage uh, from Ephesians, and I want you to join me. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll read it out loud, it's Ephesians 1, I'm going to start at verse 3, and then uh, I'm going to read down to verse 10. And again, I know we've gone through this passage, but it's so rich, you just can't skip over it. And there's two things that I'll highlight in the passage that we're going to kind of kind of unpack a little bit this, this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation or the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption, that word adoption, you might want to circle that, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us, given us in, in uh, the one he loves in him in Christ we have redemption you might want to circle that through the his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So there's three things that we want to draw out from this passage. Three principles that we want to draw out. The first one is this. That we have incurred a substantial, unpayable spiritual debt. That we all, from our birth, carry a debt, a spiritual debt that we can't repay. Now, it's one thing to carry a financial debt. And many times some people get themselves into such a place they have to uh, declare bankruptcy to get out of debt. But this is one of those debts that you can't, you can't declare bankruptcy. And whether we know it or not, whether we accept it or not, we carry this deep debt that we can't get out of. So how do we, how did we incur this debt in the first place? You may say, well, I, I don't even know how I got into debt. I don't even know. What, I mean, I didn't go out and spend. So how did I do it? And, and the answer is, if you just go to the Lord's Prayer, you remember the Lord's Prayer, right? Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Let me, let me read it and, and think about it. Don't go into the mode where you just kind of ramble through it, you know, mindlessly think about it. He says this, and this is Jesus saying, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now we know all of that, right? Notice the next line. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now let's just stop for a minute. There's a couple things there. Number one, he says, forgive me as I forgive others. That's a whole sermon series in itself. Because that's a hard thing to do, right? It's hard. I want God to forgive me irrespective of how I forgive others. But that's not what I want you to see. What I want you to see is this prayer says that we incur a debt, not just with each other, but with God. That every time we sin, we don't just sin against another person. We sin against God. That's a debt that we're constantly, constantly, constantly incurring. The balance on our debt keeps going up. Probably it went up this week. Probably there were things you did or things you didn't do or things you said or things you didn't say. There were sins of omission, sins of commission. Uh, you, you, and, and your debt just kind of keeps going up. And whether you know it or not, you have incurred a debt. And every time we violate The two great commands. And what were the great commands that Jesus said? You know, there's all these hundreds of laws in the Old Testament. There's 10 commandments, but then there's all the other laws, right? And which ones are for today and which aren't? So Jesus summarized it and made it very simple for us. And what did he say? He said this. He said, let me summarize it for you. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, right? That's the first one. And then he said the second one is just like it what is it love your neighbor as yourself so every time that you don't love your neighbor as yourself you've just incurred a debt. every time you said something every time you put somebody down every time you you've judged somebody You've just incurred more and more debt because you haven't loved that person because you say, would I like it if somebody said that about me, treated me that way? Would I like that? And the answer is probably no, you wouldn't. And so we have this debt. And the the thing we have to understand is somebody has to pay the debt. Somebody has to take the hit. Somebody has to pay pay the cost, right? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's just say that I have this brand new chainsaw. And I haven't even used it. I mean, I started it up. I did, you know, got the chain uh, bar oil in there. I've got, you see, I even know it's bar oil, right? You must be impressed. Anyway, I have this chainsaw and I started it up. I run it. It runs like a top and I've got a project to work on. But you come over to my house and you say, hey, I heard you got a new chainsaw. Can I borrow it? And what are you thinking right now? Okay. Is this guy going to wreck my chainsaw? It's brand new. I haven't even used it. You say, "Okay, you know what? Take it, use it, and and, and get it back to me." So a couple weeks go by, and uh, you 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 say, "Hey, you know, I haven't heard. I want got to get this project done." You call you. you I call you up, and I say, "Hey, just call and want to get my chainsaw. I've got this project. I'm you know wanted to work on That's Why I got the chainsaw." And he says, oh, yeah. He says, I forgot to tell you about that. I, I, I don't know where it is. I used it, and I guess I must have left it in the woods. And I went back looking for it and wasn't there. So I don't know where it is. Sorry. <laughs> All right, what are you thinking right now? You're, you're immediately thinking, okay, so you lost my brand new chainsaw. What are you going to do about it? Who's going to pay for a new one? I just bought this brand new. I let you use it out of the goodness of my heart. Now you're thinking all these things because you don't want to say them out loud necessarily. And then, uh, but the point you have to see is this. Somebody's going to have to pay for a new chainsaw. Right? It's just not going to show up somewhere. It's gone. So the point is, Everybody, when you incur a debt, somebody has to pay to make that right. Somebody has to take the hit. Um, We think of our sin. We say, okay, so when we sin, somebody has to pay the price. Somebody has to incur the debt. Somebody has. Now, I know what some people are thinking. Some people are thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can't God just get over it? I mean, come on, he's God. Can't he be bigger than that? Can't he just forget and forgive? I mean, come on. Th- you know, this is, you know, this is not a big deal. And uh, let me give you two reasons why, if you think that, and maybe you've heard that, or maybe you've even thought that, you say, well, you know, I don't know why God just can't get over sin, can't just overlook it, or just get past it, or just forgive it. I, why does he make such a big deal out of it? Let me give you two reasons why God can't do that. Number one, it violates his character as God. Now think about that for a minute. The Bible says that he's righteous and he's just and he's loving and he's good and he's kind. But if he forgives sin, he's violating his own character. Uh, Let me give you an example. Let's say that, that I'm a boss and you work for me. And you're thinking right now, well, I'd never want to work for you. Well, that's okay. It's just an illustration. Get past it, all right? But let's just say that I'm your boss and you do something super sketchy. And it becomes apparent within the whole company that you, you, know, that you did something sketchy. And uh, I called you into the office and I said, hey, you know what you did? You shouldn't have done it. It violated company policy. And um, it's really pretty serious. And you go, you know can't you just forgive me can't you just let it go can't you you know just one time i never and and i go okay i'm gonna let you off the hook and let's just say a couple weeks later somebody else in the company does exactly the same thing and and they do the same thing i call them in the office, and everybody knows about it everybody knows that i let you off But then the other person comes into the office and I say, you know what? What you did violated company policy and I can't have it. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to fire you. What does the rest of the company think about me? Wait a minute. That's not fair. That's not right. Who are you? How do you make that? In other words, immediately right now, my character has just been compromised. Right, right because I've overlooked it for this person, but I haven't overlooked it for that. And, and people, well, why did you overlook it for them? Is he your friend? You know, so you have all these things going on here. In a sense, God, if he is God and if he is righteous, he cannot overlook sin because it violates his character. It violates his character. The second reason that God You know, you say, well, God, can't he just get over it? Well, you violate his character. If God just overlooks it, then he's, you know, kind of playing fast and loose with righteousness and justice. The second reason, though, you can't overlook it is it's not your call. Let's just say that uh, you get a brand new car. I mean, it's beautiful. And uh, I'm here and I'm walking around and you come over to the office and you go, Hey, I want you to take you spend my new sports car and I go, okay, you know, I just finished the job. Let's sit down. Let's go for a ride. You take me for a ride. We come out to the Northwest arterial, come to the light. All of a sudden, somebody is driving kind of, you know, recklessly and they just kind of like graze the front quarter panel of your car and just kind of mess it up big time. I mean, it's, it's a couple thousand dollars damage. And, you know, we get out, you and I get out, we look at it, go, oh, that's, you know, it's clearly the other driver's, you know, problem. I mean, it's their responsibility. They did it. It wasn't anything you did. But your brand new car that you just got, has just got this front quarter panel all messed up and it may have bent your frame. I mean, it's just, it's just a mess. It's a nightmare. And the person who did it gets out and they're not drunk or anything, but they're just, They're just, they were distracted. Maybe they were texting or doing something, but they ran into your car and they get out and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Hey, let me, let's exchange our insurance information so that we can make things right. Let's go ahead and do that. I don't want you, you know, and and all of a sudden out of that, you're getting ready to pull your insurance out. They're pulling their insurance out. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen to the, and I say this to the person who just ran into your car. Don't worry about it. It's his car. He'll take care of it. Y- you shouldn't have to take the hit. Just just go ahead and go on your ride. Drive a little more carefully. Don't text and drive, you know. It, just go ahead and go. Now, if it was if, if 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 I said that and it was your car, what would be your reaction? Uh, uh, yes, I see that hand. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. It's my car, not yours. You don't get to decide for me what I should do with my car. Isn't that what we're doing with the God of the universe? When we say, you can't do that. And we have so little view of what is happening in this universe and in this world compared to God. And we have the audacity to say, God, just get over it. It's not a big deal. You can get a new car. You can fix it. You can pay. It's not your call. I can't do that because I'm not the one offended. Almighty God is offended. It's really important for us to understand that. Somebody has said, and I think this is true, God's justice and God's love comes together on the cross. Because there we see God carrying out his justice. But also carrying out his love together. And Jesus is in the middle of it. That's what we just celebrated communion, isn't it? Wasn't, isn't that what we celebrate? God's love and justice coming together. Reminding us that it was our sin that put him there. But it was his love that put him there. Here's the second thing we want to draw from the passage. We have this huge debt, but we have no ability to pay our own debt. Paul says that we, need, we all need somebody to, to pay the debt, and Jesus paid the price for our sins. And uh, the, the, the passage that uh, comes to mind is this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, his life... Uh, his life was to to give uh to come and pay the ransom and set us free that 's why he lived I mean I love that verse and, and that 's such a significant verse in the book of mark he says he didn't come to serve to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Do you understand that do you, do you see the incredible thing here and this means that we can 't just shift blame shift our sin or make excuses for our sin or you know we have to take it serious we have to understand that it was our sin to put him on the cross now i grew up in a tradition and i guess somehow i was taught that i could pay off my own debt that if i went to church if i took communion if i confessed my sins if i went through some of the rituals and regulations of the church If I believed in God, if I did all those things, that was paying down my debt. That's what I was taught. But the question that somebody asked me a number of years ago was this. He asked me two questions. One was, if you were to die today, would you go to be with God in heaven? I said, well, I hope so. The second question he asked me was, well, if, if God was at the gate of heaven and, and said, why should I let you? And what would you say? I said, well, I go to church every week. I believe in you. I go to confession once a month. I'm not perfect, but I'm better than maybe 50%. So I think I'm on a good curve there. And, and essentially, he said to me something. He, he asked me something. I go, oh, boy. He said, okay, so where does Jesus fit into that? And I go, I don't know, but Somewhere. <laughs> He fits in there somewhere and what I was doing was what a lot of people do They were saying I'm okay. I could pay my debt off. I'm not that bad. I don't really need Jesus Jesus is for the really bad people not for me This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 Not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and did we not d- uh, drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. It's harsh. Nobody wants to hear that. But what is he, who is he saying it to? He's saying it to those who say, you know, my debt's not so bad. My death's not so bad. They're bragging on what they've done, not on what Christ has done. It, it, it negates his whole mission. Jesus said, I didn't come to 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 rule and reign. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And so Jesus, by his own word, says, I came on a rescue mission of one. And I came to save people from their sins by taking the sin on myself. And if you think you don't have that much sin, if you don't think you're that bad, and you think you don't need Jesus, you totally neglect and you negate the mission of Jesus Christ here's the third principle we've been adopted into a new family and a new community so so there's the situation where sinners were lost were helpless and hopeless and Jesus came to set us free and that's the bad news that's the the news you have to hear before you hear the good news you know have you had people do that and say oh, i have some good news and i have some bad news what do you want to hear first well the bad news generally is good to hear this is really the gospel is really you should hear the good the bad news first before you hear the good news so i've spent most of this message so far on the bad news let me tell you the good news the good news is the minute you call upon the name of the lord your sins are forgiven you have peace with god you have the promise and the hope of heaven but also you're adopted into a new family and a new community we go from spiritual rags to riches we go from prisoners to adopted sons and daughters we did nothing to earn it we did nothing to deserve it it's an adoption it's all of God and none of us look at what he says to all who did receive him this is Jesus to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God that's what you are today if you place your faith in Jesus you're a child of God and then he says, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, uh, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now, it's interesting to me, you know, people have said, and I just had this reaffirmed this last week, because I have uh, a lady in my, in my life group, her, her, fu- her husband was a former judge, and uh, basically said, one of the greatest days for a judge is when a family comes for adoption and uh, a couple of people have said that to me over the years because what does a judge generally do judges dealing with people who are hes going to send them to prison or there's you know marital conflict there's just bad things happening but when there's an adoption what is happening you have a family coming who basically is saying we want this child we want this little boy this little girl that maybe no one else wants we paid a lot of money we've put a lot of effort in we put a lot of emotional energy into this we want to love this child we want this child to be our child and they put a they've waited and waited and waited for this day They they just had expectations for this day. So when they walk before the judge, the judge will say, you now are the parents, the legal parents of this child. And there's hugs and there's kisses. And even the judge wants to have his picture taken with his family because it's such an incredible day of rejoicing. Picture it. Think about it. Do you realize the day that you gave your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? In Luke 15, it says, there was joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There's a party in heaven. Now, it's interesting because Matthew basically says in heaven, and he uses the phrase in heaven because it's kind of a euphemism. It's kind of the way to say instead of, you know, because he wanted... He didn't want to say, God, you know, the Father, he, he, he uses in heaven. In other words, it's not just the angels that are rejoicing. It's the Father. It's God who is rejoicing. The day that you bowed your knee to Jesus, the day that you gave your life to Jesus, the day that you found new life, the day that you, you, you said, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I understand my debt that I can't pay it. The day that you did that, the day that you called upon the Lord, the day that you were brought into this new family that God said, I want you. Maybe no one on this planet wants you, but I want you. I want you to be my son and my daughter. And I will go to an incredible price to make that happen. I'll send my only son. And he'll live the life you should live and die the death you should die. And he'll give his life on the cross. He'll take the the punishment. He'll take the wrath. He'll take... He'll take... He'll go... He'll die so that you could live. He, he, he would do that because he loves you. And, and so what, he, what, what God is saying, what, the, what this whole adoption thing and Jesus is saying, he says, children, God adopts us as children. We become his children. Think about that. The picture of the judge with his arm around the, the, the family and the family. And everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. There's going to be a party afterwards to celebrate this. and Everybody else in the family is going to come together and celebrate because it's such a great thing. And that's what, Paul's, or that's what the Luke says in Luke 15. He says, there's a party in heaven over one sinner who repents. Why? Because their sins are forgiven, because they're part of a new family, because they've been adopted as sons and daughters. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you're one of his sons and daughters today. He loves you dearly. You've gone from rags to riches. And you didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it. It was gifted to you by God. Do you realize that? That's what Paul's saying in our passage. Paul's saying you have a debt you can't pay bigger than anything you'll ever pay. You can't even begin to pay it. That's all right. I have a guy who can take care of it who did take care of it, who gave his life to take care of it. And because you, when you call on me, not only, is you, not only are you set free from your sins, not only are you moved from death to life, not only do you have this eternal hope, but you've been adopted into this new family. You're my son, you're my daughter whom I love. Do you remember the baptism of Jesus? kind of an interesting thing in Matthew 4. Actually, it's not 4. Don't, don't quote me on that. I think that's the temptation is Matthew 4 but Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River and it's in inter- it's an interesting passage because you see the members of the Trinity there of course Jesus is there but then you have the Holy Spirit who's coming down like a dove right and then you have the Father now what's Jesus doing in his baptism he's he's obediently following the plan of the Father right and the voice of the Father from thunders from heaven. It does it a couple times in scripture. You see the Father thundering voice from heaven. But what does the father say? This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Do you realize that you are his beloved son and his beloved daughter, in whom he's well pleased? That you've been brought into this family. You've been brought into a new community. And they, an incredible price was paid for that to happen. Do you realize how special that is? That you've gone from rags to riches. That's what Paul is saying in our passage this weekend. So I pray that you'll hold that truth to your heart. Because you may be living in, a, in an environment where people are telling you don't, you don't look right. You're not the right color. You're not the right religion. You're not the right, you're not, you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're, you're not ever going to amount to anything. Always remember you have a father in heaven who says, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing truth to know that we are loved and accepted by you. We've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. It is really a gifted to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that he took the punishment, the wrath. He died so that we could live and not just live, but be adopted into this new family and into this new community to live as your sons and daughters. Yes, we are sinners. Still we're sinners, but we're sons and daughters. What an amazing truth. Father, help us to understand just the magnitude of the celebration in heaven. Help us to understand that you love us, that you've done everything for us that we need. That we lack nothing. Thank you that you care about us. And thank you, Jesus, that you willingly came and you willingly gave your life so that we could live. That it wasn't something that you had to do. It's something you did. Chose to do. You desired to do. I can't really wrap my brain around that. And Father, I just pray that we would leave this place knowing who we are in Christ. That though we are sinners, we are sons. We are daughters. Of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you thanks and honor and praise. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.